Hello and welcome to this latest podcast of the University of Exeter Business School. Today we are talking to Konstantin Malachov, whose research is focused on bullying, harassment and negative behaviour in organisations. His most recent project has been looking at bullying in the NHS. Good morning. Good morning, Toby. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. First question, to what extent is bullying an issue in organisations? Well, bullying is a type of behavior that we need to understand more broadly. We can put it within a wider framework of what we refer to as negative acts. And it is by far the most frequent negative act that we encounter. And as such, it can be accompanied by rumors, by incivility, by a manager withholding information to actual violence. And because it's persistent, it has to occur for six months or more and frequent, at least once a week. It is an issue on several counts. Paradoxically, it is not illegal. Unlike harassment, which is covered by the Equality Act 2010, bullying is not defined in law. Bullying is progressive in as much as it worsens over time. If a victim is subject to this, they may experience anxiety, they might experience depression, and over time, even post-traumatic stress disorder. And bullying is resilient in organizations. Now, we've had over four decades of research on the subject matter, and yet, in the latest representative survey of employees in 2007-2008, February and colleagues found that almost half of the working population in the UK have experienced negative behaviours in some form or another. And lastly, it is a problem because it is a, a silent epidemic. It is largely invisible. And we have here data from the Trade Union Congress in 2017 suggesting that almost 38% of respondents across the UK workplace were unwilling to report bullying and harassment or felt unable, insecure to report it when they're subject to it. Those are quite shocking statistics in terms of the extent of bullying. Do you see a pattern in the types of organisations where bullying and harassment is, is more prevalent? They are shocking indeed, and maybe there are some patterns we, we can uh, ascertain in our research. And typically we find that large public administration organisations are overrepresented in bullying reports. So in this case, this is perhaps unsurprising because we need to have contexts where maybe their resource and funding limitations, their cuts, their efficiency targets. There's a lot of stress on employees to interact with the public and to fulfil their duties. And as a result of this, typically it is education, public administration, and specifically the healthcare sector. Now, if we look at some international studies, for example, in, in Australia, we typically find that the level of bullying in the healthcare sector is higher than the national average. In Australian representative study in 2013, we saw that 14% of healthcare employees reported bullying and harassment versus the 10% national average. Now, across Europe, in the European Working Conditions Survey, we saw that uh, it's close to 10% of healthcare professionals who are bullied, as opposed to 5% average across Europe. Now, in the UK, specifically in the National Health Service, which has been subject to continuous rounds of cuts, the situation is, is quite dire. In the 2018 National Health Care Survey, we had almost a quarter, 25% of the workforce, report bullying harassment levels. And that is an increase in the levels in 2017, despite the measures put in place, despite legislation, despite policies and procedures, specifically the NHS has put in place to safeguard employees. We still have bullying harassment occurring and reoccurring. Just on that point, you seem to be referring to public sector organisations with a combination of ever-increasing pressures, but 
ever increasing cuts. Am I correct saying the two things are combining to produce this pressurized toxic atmosphere? Would that be a fair summary? That would be a, a very accurate summary. Bullying, and I think I'll probably have to keep referring to, to it in this way, is a wicked problem. It is not a situation whereby you have a clear cause and effect. You have multiple causes and indeed multiple effects. And it's a case and a situation whereby it's sometimes very difficult to disentangle and to remove the causes. Now, unfortunately, one of the causes is the working environment. Aspects of the working environment, such as stress, absence of control, change, and the healthcare sector in the UK has been through multiple rounds of change. That all contributes to a sense of uncertainty and stress, whereby bullying becomes a pressure valve. It becomes a way of coping and not always an intentional negative act towards somebody else. It seems to be endemic to the modern workplace. And I guess most people would readily appreciate the effect on individuals who are being bullied, obviously not very pleasant ones, but what about the effect at an organisation level? What does that culture and that atmosphere do for organisations? Unfortunately, it's a bit of a double whammy effect. In terms of individuals, we have a very, very negative situation. Not only is bullying very difficult to define, simply by virtue of the fact that it encompasses so many different behaviours. It could be rumours and malicious attitudes and spreading of untrue information about a person to withholding information to physical violence. Now, bullying is also progressive, as we said earlier, that over time, the impact on the individual worsens. So we might have reduced mental health, we might have sleep disorders, we might have stress and anxiety and general musculoskeletal problems. As a result of bullying, we might have ill health and absenteeism. However, if the process continues over time, we have a situation where the individual's very sense of their own worth starts to change and to erode. The individual might start to lose meaning in their life they might start to see uh, the world as a generally negative, darker place. And that can lead to the most extreme and the most tragic consequences, such as post-traumatic stress disorder and even suicide ideation. And specifically in the UK, in the emergency services, which is some of the research we are, we are looking at at the moment, we found that uniquely emergency services staff might experience such negative impacts as a result of bullying harassment that they get the stress uh, and the post-traumatic stress disorders equal or exceeding that of the very victims and patients they treat. Now, what does it mean for organizations? Sure, we can suggest that um, that is damaging to culture, it is damaging to productivity, it is, it is damaging to the very status and the, the way the organization is perceived by the public. But Lewis and Klein in 2018 committed to an actual figure, and they suggest that specifically in the case of the NHS, the overall cost of litigations, of bullying harassment management, of any kind of absenteeism as a result of this, has amounted to over two billion pounds per annum in a healthcare service, which is already underfunded and already facing financial straits. Uh, uh, this is concerning. This is critical. I pick up two really big concerns there. One, as you've just mentioned, is the financial cost um, to the service, which is already under pressure. And then there was the shocking thing that you said about emergency services personnel, some of whom are suffering even greater stress from the very people that they're trying to help. So the very people that 
we look to as a public are, are under huge pressure. I mean, that, that's that's absolutely shocking. That is shocking and concerning. Unfortunately, it is not going away. So especially in the emergency services, change has been the name of the game for quite some time. We've had the Ambulance Response Review Programme, which has sought to, you may have guessed it, streamline response times improve and place very very strict targets on employees those employees are already under pressure they're under pressure to work long hours they're under pressure to deal with some rather horrendous circumstances the things they see the things they deal that impacts them in a personal way and those employees may receive zero help and zero contact with managers apart from just unique points where they change over vehicles at the end of one shift and at the start of another shift imagine a situation where you're a member of staff you're an emergency service you're a paramedic you're dealing with horrendous injuries and death. You are under pressure by management to respond quickly, to get there quicker, and you have no way of coping. Two things might happen. You might go off sick, and we heard some heartbreaking stories of paramedics who discussed the way they planned. This is the idea of suicide ideation. They were planning their suicide routes, and being paramedics, they were planning ways in which they won't be discovered by a member of the public so as not to shock and upset somebody else. The level of detail that went into this. Or you might, again, try and cope. And you cope by self-protecting and starting to treat others with hostility, uh, with aggression, as a way of coping. And this is how bullying becomes a, a never-widening spiral. And if it's a spiral, it's certainly a downward one. I mean, I guess a major question to ask you is, can you ever really eradicate bullying, whether it's an education or, or work setting? I, I would have to say that I, this wouldn't be possible. And going back to the definition of bullying as a wicked problem, bullying is a multilateral phenomenon. Bullying is certain dyadic between two people who have some kind of an issue. Bullying is an organizational issue where you may have lack of policies, lack of protective legislation, lack of managerial support. Bullying is also a social issue. And the University of Exeter has been very proactive in identifying this for Black History Month in October, in identifying that some groups are underrepresented and very much marginalized as a result of their personal characteristics. But in addition to all this, bullying is a systemic issue. Bullying is an issue of modern work, whereby in a neoliberal capitalist context, where people sell the labor power for work, where we've had Bill and Hoyle discuss the idea that exploitation is endemic. Exploitation is the name of the game in, in those workplaces, and we cannot avoid it. We will be forever facing targets, austerity, especially in the post-COVID-19 world. And as a result, I do not believe that we can truly hope for bullying to be eradicated. And the evidence, unfortunately, seems to support this. After four decades of research and interventions and implementations, in the UK, we have had the NHS North Staffordshire Hospital failings and the Francis Review with the Speak of Guardians. That has maybe reduced levels of bullying. Bullying levels are still stable. So we cannot really hope to eradicate it. But what we can hope to do is to offer better support for the victims, to raise awareness, to equip the managers to support those victims. And this is really where we situate ourselves in our research. So it's more a case of managing the situation. So in terms of the victims of bullying, what's your advice? Not to go it alone. The situation will not rectify itself by virtue of the fact it's a self-perpetuating situation which worsens over time. So if you are experiencing bullying, you must seek help and support. That might be to speak to your immediate line manager or manager in your team. Unfortunately, research suggests that this is not always possible. In the UK, typically it is the manager doing the bullying because bullying is a result of a power imbalance. In those cases, a bullying victim can go to HR 
or go to a trade union, maybe seek help and support outside of the organization. Again, go to, to a counseling service, to go to the NHS, speak to a friend, speak to a colleague, but not to think that by ignoring the issue, it will somehow go away. Research and the evidence is overwhelmingly against it. it. It will not go away and it will not rectify itself. It does require positive action. Equally, I would encourage those who may have witnessed bullying to also step in. Actually, the Equality Act 2010 does require all of us to step in as long as there's no immediate harm to our well-being and intervene when we see harassment uh, against one of the protected characteristics. Bullying spreads across an organization, so we have all of us the duty to intervene if we sit down to a colleague and to be a voice for those who might not have a voice. I mean, you mentioned there that the problem occurs sometimes that the bully could be someone in power, a leadership position. So at an organisational level, what are some of the processes that organisations could look at to better improve the situation? First and foremost, we need to ensure that the process and intervention start at the point of recruitment. So in reduction in socialisation stage of recruitment, employees need to be made aware that there's zero tolerance policy to bullying and harassment and those kind of behaviours. And furthermore, we need to ensure that employees are constantly reminded of this. It is very easy to tick a box and say, well, this person has had an induction and there is no follow-up for the duration of the employment relationship. This would simply not do. We can equip managers not only to handle those difficult conversations, because this seems to be part and parcel of being a manager, but also to be part of the strategic vision in the organisation. So they know, for example, in periods of change, what is happening what the impact on employees' jobs would be. So they can support employees on a day-to-day basis and not just at critical points in employees' life. And we can try and work together in a kinder way. Now, I know this sounds a little bit intangible and perhaps even fluffy, but empathy and appreciation of the struggles the other person might be going through can go a long way. And in this case, we really are uh, in it together. So we should try and look out for each other. In summary, what you're saying is this is a problem that will always be with us and therefore you can't eradicate it. But it's a question at a structural level within organisations around sort of processes and culture, but also at an individual level. I guess the question I have, what, where do you see the, the link between what happens at secondary education levels and the workplace? What can those two areas do together? How early should we be talking about this kind of stuff? It's a great, great point, Toby, because interestingly enough, bullying and harassment as an area of research started in the schoolyard uh, all the way in the 70s with work that Ulbers and, and colleagues did. It wasn't until the 1990s that it came in the UK and it was given the name Workplace Bullying. Actually, there are a number of programs in Scandinavian countries, the oldest program, which specifically targets and puts measures and, uh, to, to bullying and harassment. It, it works in a very holistic way in as much as it doesn't seek to isolate the problem, and it seeks, but it seeks to raise awareness in parents, in teachers, in school kids, in college kids, so that first it's recognized when it happens and it's clear path that the, the victim can take. It also normalizes the conversation because one of the issues that stands in the way of reporting is stigma. Many people would resent the label of being a victim and they choose not to report. But if we normalize those conversations at a very early stage, it absolutely is called through zero tolerance, through support, that can not only normalize, but it can give us and give the next generation early coping strategies. Now, if we were to take this to the workplace, there may be programs which enable not only the victim of bullying, but their family to cope with it. So maybe society level programs, which suggest where to turn to if there's bullying harassment. 
I mean, we know, for example, that the levels of depression, specifically in males, have doubled since the start of the lockdown in 2020. So those conversations, those issues can only be exacerbated by a toxic workplace. So we need to continue to talk about them. We need a sense of transparency. And this is where research comes into play and can be transformative. Organizations need to be more welcoming and open to the idea that they should be audited by independent researchers who can go in, look at the state of the, the organization and offer some guidance and support specifically targeted to the sector, to the organization and the problems encountered. But we must continue and keep the conversation because we cannot allow bullying harassment to once again become a taboo, the elephant in the room that we know exists, but we just don't talk about it. A hopeful note to end on. Thank you very much for speaking to us today. Absolute pleasure, Toby. Thank you so much for having me.